This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The book, My Journey to Enjoying My Life by Karen Thompson, encourages and motivates readers to reach for more and to grow into all that God has for them. Karen's message highlights the wisdom and strength needed to move from your past into a brighter future. My Journey to Enjoying My Life is a heartfelt, dynamic, true life story of Karen. It details the events of her childhood abuse and her struggles with the feeling of being unloved and the fears that developed from her fight just to be normal. Karen takes you on a dynamic journey of how she dealt with the emotional pain of abuse, how God healed her broken heart and made her whole again. She will take you on a step-by-step journey dealing with every aspect of how to take back your life how to overcome addictive behavior patterns, and find peace in your life again. The book outlines the truth from God's Word about who you are and how to be free from your past. It is a practical, easy-to-read, step-by-step book which will enhance every reader's walk with God and aid with the internal healing so desperately needed by abused people. Valeria Tellis interviews Karen Thompson, whose passion is to write books that will keep people turning the pages and to give them something a little deeper to think about long after the last page has been read. Her desire is to encourage the body of Christ in their faith and not only help them grow closer to God, but also help them fulfill their God-given assignments for life, to help people reach their full potential in Christ. Here is the interview with Karen Thompson. In your own words, who is Corin Thompson? Um, Corin Thompson is so blessed today to live a life of peace, of health, of, of blessing because I'm free from my past. And I, I thank God every day for it. I'm, I'm, I'm a mother. I'm married. Actually, yesterday I was married 43 years to my husband. Um, I've got two children and through two grandbabies and another one on the way. So my life and my legacy has changed because my journey had changed. Um, my family are all together. We all love each other. We all love Jesus. Because Jesus changed my life, the legacy was able to change all of our lives. And I'm so grateful to God for that. Wow, how wonderful. Thank you. I have a few general questions for you before we talk about your book, My Journey to Enjoy My Life, that has to do with self-discovery, healing, and faith. So my first question is, what is another word for life? I think existing in a fuller sense, um, because life has a way of just being every day. Every day you go to work, every day you do the dishes, every day you shower, every day you do your hair. Um, And if you're not careful, life will control you. But I think God wants us to control life. He wants us to have a a dream and a vision and a focus and live it to the full. Don't let it just pass you by. You know, time flies, literally flies. And before you know, it's the end of the year and you think to yourself, what did I achieve this year? I think we have to have goals. We have to be passion driven. We have to find what are we here for? Because God has given every one of us a talent and a desire in our heart. And he really wants us to fulfill that with his help. And that makes life worth living. Yeah, I love that, Corinne. What is the meaning of freedom 
to you? Oh, I tell you, just having a nice headspace. I used to be so tormented with my thoughts and my emotions. Oh, my goodness. I used to cry all day, every day. I, I really can. I, I say in my book, I'm surprised there aren't tear stains engraved on my cheeks because I cried all the time. I was so heartbroken. And I think just having a day where I can laugh and be happy and my head is clear and there's peace, it's just, a, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Yeah. What a great definition for freedom, right? Being at peace. I love that. What is your greatest joy? Well, my grandbabies are my greatest joy. To be honest, but Jesus is my greatest joy. He set me free and I'm so blessed that when I see my grandbabies, they know about Jesus. They love Jesus. The joy of the freedom that I have that I can pass on. It's, it's such a joy to be free in Jesus. It's such a joy to be able to come into the, the, the throne of God and just talk talk to him and be no condemnation, no guilt, no sense of a shame. I don't have to hang my head. I can just walk into him, sit on my father's lap and say, Lord, I love you. I'm so grateful for how you changed my world. That is the biggest joy of life to me, mm. just to be free. Wow. What do you think is the world's greatest need? Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You know, they always say, uh, you always see those beauty pageants, um, peace on the earth and all that. Only Jesus can change your heart. Only God can come in and change you. You know, you think many times you are right and what you're doing is right, and so you keep doing it. But when you become closer to God, you realize how wrong you are and how wrong you've been thinking and how wrong you've been acting and how you've been treating people is not good. So people need Jesus. People need to realize that we cannot live within ourselves. We have a hunger in our hearts and our spirit that God has created to call out to him. And he wants to be a part of our life and he wants to help us with our life and work the journey of life with us. And that's our greatest need is to, is to be with our Father. Mm. Do you connect Jesus to love, unconditional love? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, the fact that he, God sent Jesus for us is unconditional love. I mean, how many people would be willing to sacrifice their only son for everybody? And that's what God did for us. So unconditional love and the fact that he takes you as you are, you know, all your shame, all your baggage, all the stuff that's happened to you. He doesn't blink and say, oh, my goodness, no, you're just too bad. I can't handle you. He takes you. He accepts you. You, you are so accepted. And that's unconditional love. I never experienced love in my life until um, God came in and I realized someone really cares about me. I mean, I, I can't be that bad if God wants me. You know, it just put the lights on and made me so uh, grateful that this kind of love would be, would accept even me. It just was so beautiful. Yeah. I love the way you also connect unconditional love, not just to Jesus, God, but acceptance. Right? Mm. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah, because the world doesn't accept us. So we have to we have to be accepted somewhere, don't we? You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so many labels and, and you're not good enough and you, you don't you have the perfect figure, you don't have the perfect hair, the perfect look. There's so many labels today, but God accepts us, all of us. It's wonderful. Right. What do you think is the purpose of your life, Corinne? The purpose of my life, well, at the moment, it seems to be writing books and sharing my words. It's, uh, I feel God wants me to encourage people and to motivate people and inspire them that you don't have to live in your past. You don't have to be a victim of your past. Um, many times we stay in the past, even though we grow up and become older people. That trauma and that, that uh, catastrophe that happened to us seems to, to identify us, to, to mark us and to make us who we are. And I want to tell people you don't have to be that person. You can be the best you that you can be. You, you can be not ever perfect, but you can be better and better and better, and your path can get lighter and lighter. And that's what I want to share and help people with. Wow. So let's get to it. Why did you write the book, My Journey to Enjoy My Life? What was the inspiration? The inspiration was that there were so many people around me stuck in a rut. I could I could see when you talked, you could see, especially with women, there was so much shame about things that they had endured, uh, gone through, put up with. And I just felt I'd been released from that. I'd been set free through to the grace of God. And I felt God wanted me to say, I want you to write and tell my children, tell people that they don't have to be that person. They don't have to be in that time walk of, of um, being abused. So I wrote the book to encourage people to tell people 
how to be free from their past, how to be free from the, the condemnation of their past and being ashamed. They don't have to be ashamed anymore. And on my book, I take people through um, chapters of different uh, subjects. I take them through questions. We do a prayer of healing. It's a very in-your-face book in the fact that it's time now to get healed. It's time now to, you know, we always say, oh, yes, I'll get on with it. But we put it under the carpet. It's time now to take it out, deal with it, and get over it. Because it's like a, a bag of luggage that you carry with you year after year. And that bag gets so heavy. I agree. And so how do we know when we are ready for that journey? I think... I suppose you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, I kept, um, I mean, I had such a violent temper and I kept out doing outbursts and then the outburst got worse and worse. I didn't mind. First it was just at home. Then I would have an outburst at the shop. Then I would have an outburst on the pavement. And so you become more accustomed to your outburst. And then I thought to myself, Corinne, you're a Christian. Who are you? What are you doing? You know, and then I'm, I'd be praying and God would say to me, you know, I don't like it when you act like that. And I think, but I can't stop. I don't know what to do. And he says, he would say to me, spend time with me. I'll show you how to stop this. So I think I just got sick and tired of myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't like how I talked to people, how I treated people. Even though I felt I was right, it must be my way and my way was the only way. When I realized how the shock on people's faces, maybe when I, I shouted or, or I said something rude, I realized I can't go around being like this. It's not It's not the way I should be. Then I knew I, I need to change. Then I cried out to God. Yeah. So that comes from that voice within yes. that tells us yeah, that we had enough of suffering. Yes, yes that, that meeting. Yeah. Do you believe that we can become healed or healing is a journey, a process? Both. I know once, I, personally, I think once you make up your mind and start to say, okay, I'm done with this old person and I want to start acting like the new person, I think a healing process starts. But a lot of things you have to renew your mind to. You have to take the time to change your thoughts. Um, like I said, you know, you might think you're right, but in, when you look at God's thoughts, you realize you're wrong. So God says walk in love, but you're saying, yeah, but you look how mean they are to me. How can I love that person? But you've got to learn the art of love and, and the art of um, caring for the next person. That next person might be going through just as bad, if not worse times than you, and you're not helping. You know, so you have to learn to renew your mind. So it's a journey, total journey of that. So it is a journey, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I know you mentioned in your book, you say that it's very important to give ourselves 100% to the journey of healing. So I'm wondering what it looks like. Can you describe what is to give ourselves 100% to the journey of healing? I think it's going to be a commitment because it's not an easy journey. And it's, it's a painful journey. You have to deal with things that you don't want to deal with. You have to admit things that you rather don't want to admit. You have to confront things. And, you know, that's why it's all under the carpet, because you just don't want to deal with it. But for it to become whole and complete and healed, you have to identify. So you have to say, you know, this happened to me and God helped me through it. And he t He takes you through the journey of healing it. So so it's like a whole thing. The, the scab has to be formed and the wound has to heal. And only with the love of God and working through it and, and the condemnation and, and, the, and the way, way you feel, can that wound actually close? And once the wound is closed, the healing is complete. I'm not to say that you never, ever, ever have the thoughts because the past is always past. It'll, it'll always, be, it will always be part of you. But the pain is not there. I don't have pain from my past anymore. I think that the tears aren't there anymore. It, I don't... I mean, I, some things I just, I can actually smile and see that God was with me. Uh, it could have been a way worse, but I, I, um, because the journey of healing has taken place. Oh, wow. So that's when we know, in a way, when we have, still have the memories, but the pain's not there. That's right. That's right. And that's when you know the journey is good. Um, I mean, I would never have been able to write this book if I was still in pain, because trust right. me, I would never have written the, the healing words. I would have written a lot of angry, right. condemning words, you know. That makes a lot of sense, right? Mm. That comes from a place of healing, right? Yes, yes. You said something interesting. You cannot fix something until we s you see what is broken. You can't fix something until you see that is broken. Mm. That's interesting about the broken part, emotionally, spiritually, or physically, 
or all of them? I think all of them. Um, when I think how broken I was, um, I couldn't, I mean, I, I was seriously thinking about taking my life. I just couldn't see my life. I, I was so, I was so distraught. I, I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't be loved. I'd never been told I was loved. So I, I didn't even know what love was. I mean, the only thing I loved was my dog. I just didn't have anything to, to hold on to. What, what was life all about? All I did was cry and, and deal with this trauma and, and this rejection all the time. So I was totally broken, especially emotionally. I mean, I think especially with abused people, your emotions are so bad. They're just so up in the air. Um, and then, of course, spiritually, I just I just thought, who am I? You know, I didn't know who I was at all. So, and physically, um, I didn't eat. I was very, very thin. Um, I just... Yeah, you because know, you lose your appetite. It's just there's just no hope. So I think, yeah, I think emotionally, you just it's all over. You're just totally broken, and you need healing all in all spirit, soul, and body. You need total healing. Yeah, that's incredible that you're able to see that mm. because it's sometimes really tough. That's why it takes a long time. In my case, it took many years to really see what was broken, what was not right. When we are in that state of mind, it's hard to see what is and what is not, what's real, what's not real, what's true, what's not true. So it's very interesting when we come to the point of seeing with clarity what needs to be fixed in a way. So what are the questions? Can you tell me some fundamental questions we should ask ourselves in that moment that we see those parts that need to be fixed and or maybe what it is to return to wholeness. I don't think we we never left that place um, anyway. It's an illusion, that idea that we are broken. In a way, it is. Mm. Um, I always, even, even today, I still ask myself, Corinne, did you handle that good? Could you have been better? And I think when I started to see... Um, the, when my father was abusive, I used to be terribly fearful of him. And I started to started to shout at my children and started to, not the same as him, but because you become the product of who you hang around with, um, you don't know any better. I started to treat my, my little babies aggressively as well. And I started to see the fear in their eyes. And when I saw that fear, it was like the lights came on and I realized, Oh my goodness! I'm I'm treating them just like my father treated me, right. and that that opened up my eyes to see that I um, needed to deal with it. And so I said to myself, Karen, why are you doing this?" And even today, when I do something, sometimes you know you do it in the moment. You say, "Is that the best way to handle things?" But I found a lot of uh, I spent a lot of time with prayer with my father. I, I was with Father God. I would pray, and he would talk to me. He said to me, "You shouldn't be doing that," or or um. Why did you do that? And the more we talked, he didn't condemn me. He questioned me. He asked me, um, you know, you, you treated someone like that. I don't know. Should you have treated someone like that? And then I started to think back on my actions and realize my actions were not right. And then I would realize they sort of came to the surface because most of the time we just do things automatically. So then the, the emotion and the, the action came to the surface and I'd say, well, no, I suppose I could have done this and I could have done that. Then I became more aware of how I dealt with situations. You know, you always have a default program and because you're always living on your last nerve and you're always angry and you're always so aggressive. I was very angry, very aggressive. I mean, people would just say boo too loud and I would explode. I was always exploding. Every, my husband said to me he never knew who he was coming home to. Was he coming home to the explosive person or just the calm person? But I never said calm wrong. And then I sort of, uh, it dawned on me that I realized that um, I was always living on my last nerve. I was always one one minute away from being this, this eruptive person. And then I, other people, you know, I think the more you mix with people, I realized they don't act like that. So then I started to question. And then when I question, I started finding answers. So I think we've always got to question ourselves. Are we being the best me that we can be? Are we handling things wisely? Yeah, I love that. And um, so that, do you call that self-healing? Maybe a, self, maybe a self-revelation of, of the fact that you do need healing. Because, you know, you always think you're so right. And um, because we don't like to look inward, we like to look outward. Everyone else has a problem. I used to judge and criticize everyone. I mean, I thought everyone was doing life wrong, never realizing I'm actually the one that's handling the situation wrong and I'm the one that's wrong. And I mean, I mean, even now, I try to think before I act. If some, because you know, things happen so quick, and then I think to myself, no, don't react. Just, just smile. Maybe, maybe it's better to say nothing. 
Whereas before, I would say a lot of things, and then you can't take the words back. You can't retract anything. Right. And then you've True. got. I mean, I had no friends, and you wonder why. I had no friends because I was so I was so aggressive, you know, because I was defending me all the time. I was always trying to protect me. Right. How interesting. So when we say when I say self healing, perhaps I'm trying to say what you just said, revelation, following that inner voice, inner wisdom, uh, intuition, God. Do you recommend a therapy? Oh, especially if you could find, for me, I would find a Christian therapist. If I could have afford, avoided afforded that, I would have. Um, I just didn't, and, you know, this was in the 80s. It wasn't a big thing. People who went to therapy, were had, you know, they had major problems. It wasn't like today where today it's good to talk. I mean, if, if you have a friend to talk to. But for me, I was so ashamed. I, I didn't know who to talk to. I mean, I, t- I spoke a bit to my husband, but I never had a friend close enough to say my very inner thoughts. I suppose most of my journey I did just with God because I didn't have anyone to talk to. But I think if you can, oh, my goodness, it's so good to share. It's so good to – I mean, why not share your load and, and work with someone who's got insight into what you're dealing with? It will make your journey so much easier. I agree, yeah. Mm. They can guide us, yeah, more clearly exactly. right, through this yes. healing, the healing process and chains, right? So let's talk about inner peace. How is inner peace – different from calm, from being calm? I think calm could be easy disruptive. One small thing and the calm would go, whereas inner peace is a state of mind. I think to me, inner peace is something that you just keep. You've got to keep your peace all the time. And so if so, this is how you judge things. If, If something some situation comes up and you know straight away you start getting rattled and it, start, it starts uh, making you uncomfortable and the peace goes. Well, then you know you're not going to go that route. Um, if someone asks you, can you do this, can you do that, if that peace goes, then you don't do that. So so for me, it's like a red light or an orange light or a green light in, in the like a stoplight. So if, if someone comes to me and the red lights go on, straight away the peace is gone. If I get a green light and I feel I feel furry and happy and chatty, the pieces it feels like the piece has been enhanced. It's like, oh yes, you know. Then I know that's a good thing to do. So I judge a lot of my life through my, the peace that I feel. Um, if it's too much and the piece goes, I know straight away I've got to back off. Or, or um, you know, some people just come into your life and and you look at them straight away. You feel like they drain the exact life out of you. You just feel like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the peace goes. Then you know that is not your best friend, and that's maybe someone you sort of want to say hello and goodbye to in one sentence. You know, so um, I judge a lot by peace, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. What you said, the calm, yeah, will come and go. It's easily disrupted. Mm. But maybe inner peace um, has a lot to do with wisdom so that it's strong enough to endure challenges. And then from inner peace comes calm in tough times. That kind yes. of makes sense yes. to me, knowing who we are and not that. You said something interesting in your book. You said, don't play the blame game. So how do we learn to express ourselves with clarity and kindness rather than finding fault on others in the world and situations? I think when you come from an abuse situation, you feel it's you. I don't know about others, but I know for me, I felt that even though I was the abused, I felt like I was the person that was wrong. I felt like I I was the victim. But I caused it all to happen. I somehow blamed myself. And that's something, you know, you feel like you're so ashamed. So you think, well, what, what kind of person am I that, that this happened to me? Why did um, other people don't have this kind of home life? They don't have this kind of stuff going on. I, why me? I must be a bad person. I can't be a good person to, to, so this happens to me. So I think you blame yourself all the time and everything that goes wrong, oh, it's me, oh, it's me. And so you have no self-esteem, you hang your head all the time, you become such an ashamed person. And when you realize it's not you, you can't help the actions of another person, especially when you're a child and you're living in that kind of home environment. I mean, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? You don't even know that this is right or wrong. I didn't know a lot of things were wrong until I got older because I had nothing to compare to. We didn't go out as family, as a family, and go visit another family. We didn't do that. We didn't go on holidays a lot. We were very isolated. I didn't have uncles and aunts. It was just my mom and dad and my two sisters. We, we didn't have uncles and because my parents are from over well, from overseas, so we didn't have family. They didn't have a lot of friends. So our house was very private and secluded, and what went on stayed in those walls. 
So I had nothing to compare to. And, and you didn't have the internet and Google and, you know, text and all that stuff. None of that. This was a dark ages, I tell you. But, um, you know, we, we just had to keep things to ourselves. So we blamed everything on you. You know, you must be the bad guy here. Right, right. Yeah, that's easy to do in in that situation, right? Mm, to blame mm. others. And about shame, how do we let go? How did you let go of shame? Um, I just prayed a lot. I think I read a lot. I'm I'm a big reader, so I'm always, especially today. I mean, there's so much wisdom out there. I, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of uh, good faith messages. I read a lot, but I found that the closer I got to God, the more He rubbed off on me the more his love and the more I felt accepted, the shame left. Because the one sort of, it's like the darkness, the light sucked in the darkness and the light overcame the darkness. So the shame was the darkness. And as God, and I spent more time with him, that light just took it away. And I realized before God, I am pure. I'm washed in the blood. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to hang my head. The revelation that God loved me, all of me, Everything. I mean, there's nothing secret from God that, that, that he doesn't know. Even before I even asked him, he knows everything. I didn't have to be ashamed anymore. And I think just spending time with him and, and getting wisdom and, and finding myself, the shame left. Yeah. Self-confidence came back. Um, the car emerged. Um, because before I didn't know, if you said to me, do you want coffee or tea? I would just say, hey, whatever's easy. <laughs> I didn't know when I preferred. I didn't know what favorite color was. I mean, I, at home, my dad was king of that castle and everything was about him. So we just all did, ate what he ate. We all wore what he wore. I mean, we just, we, we all had the same one mode. It was his mode. So afterwards I didn't realize, you know, oh, there are a variety of foods. Oh, okay. I can have coffee or tea. I just, I was so used to being in the automatic mode, just do what you're told and things will be fine. So um, I, when I found myself, I realized, gosh, there's a whole world out there. You know, there's a whole lot of options out there. And it was just amazing, really with such clarity. It was amazing. Yeah, being able to see the, the choices we have. Right? Mm-hmm. That makes me think about expanding, expanding not just the mind, but the heart. Like in your case, yes. say, you talk about faith. And that expands the heart. That makes so much sense. So in the healing process, who did you forgive first, yourself or your father? And another question is, is forgiveness also a process? Very much so. Very much so. I don't know who I forgave first, but I know that God told me I had to forgive my father. And I had a lot of issues with that because to me, in my mind, I thought if I forgave him, I would be accepting that what he did was okay. Right. And for a long time, I battled with that because I thought I can't ever accept what he, what he did was okay. So therefore, I could never forgive him. But then God realized, showed me that forgiveness is not for him. It's for me. Until I forgive, I can never heal. Um, I wasn't forgiving for him. I was forgiving because my father, God, said you need to walk in love and forgive. But it doesn't mean that now suddenly my dad and I are best pals and, and we are going to just be trying, you know, friends and it's all. It's, you know, I don't necessarily have to make that relationship big friends. I mean, you can't suddenly be best friends. I mean, I still talk to my father, but we don't. There's no relationship as such. So I had to forgive him. It wasn't easy. It was more an act of my will because my father, God, asked me to do it. So when I forgave, the emotion and the, the, the real forgiveness was not there. I just did it by faith. I said, Father God, I forgive my dad for what he's done for me. And as I walked, and I, I just, and then I cried, I cried a lot. And then as I cried, I felt God wash me over because he knew I was doing buffet. And in time, my heart totally changed. It, it, it was such a supernatural thing. My heart changed that in the end, I actually, the emotions came where I do forgive my father. I, I, I don't hold anything against him. I, I've let him go. And in that process, I forgave me too. It was, it was just like a washing, mm. a total washing away of everything. Like having a bath, you know, and you, you pull the plug out and the whole lot goes down the drain. And you have to just let it go, let it go. You can't change things that you can't change. You can't change the past as much as you want to, as much as you hindsight. There's nothing that I can do about what happened to me when I was a child, nothing. So the only thing I can do is forgive, move on, and become a better me. Find out who Corin Thompson is and live my life to the fullest. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. How long did that take? Do you think it varies for everyone? Like the forgiveness process, it could take uh, as little as a day, yes. two, or a year, or 10 years? I think, I think the forgiveness is a prayer, and that's done. But maybe walking it out and acting it will take a process. And especially depending what what you're forgiven for. Um, I mean, the more you hurt, the more your baggage you will carry. But I think I said a prayer and I did it. I made a policy decision. I didn't say a prayer and then tomorrow I took it back. I said a prayer, I forgive my father. And from there, I made a quality decision that I was going to walk out that forgiveness. So I wasn't going to keep hammering about it, harping about it, regurgitating it, keep talking about it. I've forgiven him. So I made a line in the sand and I said, oh, that's Corrin's past life. And going forward is Corrin's new life. I had to make a quality decision, and that's what you have to do. You can't do it half-heartedly. If you you need to forgive, and you need to be a hundred percent behind the fact that you have to forgive. I mean, it's not an option. To me, if you want to be healed, the first part is you've got to forgive. You have to forgive because if you don't let it go, how are you ever going to grow better? How are you ever going to become a better person if you keep swimming in that muck and going through it and, and thinking about it? And, you know, it's just, it just gets messy and messy. And then you start remembering more and more things that you actually forgot. Yeah. So if when you forgive, you let it go. You just have to let it go. Yeah. And, and that is such a uh, powerful thing. When we do mm. it, we see the, it feels so much lighter, doesn't it? Life. And yeah, yes, we can smile again. Absolutely. Yes, and and I don't think you realize that until you've done it. Right. So you don't reap the rewards of forgiveness until you've actually forgiven. So when you say someone you need to forgive, they look at you and say, you must be joking, I'm not going to forgive. But you won't be free until you do. You have to do it. Yeah, wow. So true. So, so true. Talk to me about words and thoughts uh, in the healing process and why do we need, in a way, to change them? It was very strange because my dad never had nice words. So uh, this self-talk, when I left home, I carried on talking to myself like my dad talked to me. I would say, Corinne, you're so stupid. Oh, how can you be so dumb? Why did you do such stupid things? Don't you have any brains? What's wrong with you? And I used to continuously criticize myself, down myself. And so my words to myself talk were very demoralizing. And I realized, you know, if you aren't nice to you, first of all, how can anyone else be nice to you? And if you don't, if you aren't your best cheerleader, where, where, where are you going to get support if you don't even support yourself? If, even today, when I do something good, like if I, I'm at work and I have a, a problem and I work it out, I say to myself, Pierre Corin, you did a good job. Well done, girl. Talk to myself because I believe in myself. You have to believe in yourself. So words are very important. And, you know, everybody talks to themselves. I mean, everyone says something. It's what are you saying? Are you for yourself or are you against yourself? Words create your world. If you keep saying negative, horrible, miserable words, you're never going to have a beautiful, happy life. You have to say words that you want. You have to say words that you want to happen to you. So if you are... And, and I find, especially if I say to myself, gee, Corin, you're looking good today. You know, oh, oh that's a nice color on you or something. I feel happier. If I look in the mirror and say, oh, my goodness, look what you look like. Look at your hair. Straight away you feel depressed and you feel down. I mean, those words are so powerful because you believe you before you believe anybody else because, like I say, we always think we're right. So when you say to yourself, oh, you look terrible, well, you believe that. I mean, with every fiber of your being, you will stand next to yourself and say, you know what, I'm terrible. But if you say nice things to yourself, your shoulders go back, your head comes up, you stand erect, and suddenly you feel way more confident. Because mm. it's you, you know? I agree. This is such an easy practice, right, to, uh, to do, to engage in. Do you also do affirmations? Exactly. Yes, every day. I've got my set of affirmations. I call it my personal pep talk. Yeah. I, I give myself a good pep talk. I mean, some days I read it and I think, hmm, really? But I just think, okay, I'm just going to say it because sometimes it's not quite there. We have our days of ups and downs. But I say it every day. You know, I'm focused. I'm motivated. I'm, I've, I've got a vision. I've got a goal. I, I, I give myself this pep talk every day so that I keep my mind on what am I doing? What am I trying to achieve? Because there's so many things out there looking for your attention. And if you don't focus on where you want to go, a year will go past and you've done nothing. So I have a vision board. I have pictures up there of, of things I want to aspire. I've got my book covers there. Um, I've got things that are challenging me. 
pulling me to a better me. So um, when someone says, what do you want to do? I've got all the answers. And I think it's very important to be a goal kind of person and a focused person. So you don't just drift through life, and especially when you, when you come from an abused thing, you tend to be like that. You just sort of, you're so hopeless. You're so helpless. You just don't have any goals or focus, whereas you need to have a goal. Even if it's just a goal to be a better person, but you need to have something that you, that drives you, something that gives you passion, something that when you wake up in the morning, you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this today. You know, you need to have something that's worth living for. Yeah, I agree. But without choosing to be busy all the time and not relaxing enough. So how do we balance? Wow. Yeah, I know that too. How do we balance that? Having purpose, goal, doing something, having this motivation, this drive oh, to do to things, but right. also taking care of ourselves and relaxing. Yes, you have to. Um, with my dad, we were never allowed to sit down and do nothing. We were, we, if he saw you do nothing, you would wash the car or polish your shoes or something, but we were never allowed to just relax. And so for many years, oh my goodness, I would drive everyone up the wall. I would just, I'd never sit down. I, I had this mindset that if I sat down and put my feet up, I was sinning. I was being lazy. Even if I read a book, oh, you've been so lazy. And I've had to train myself through my through the years that you have to relax, especially when you get older, your body sort of makes you do it anyway. But I found I work hard, but I play hard. So on the weekends, um, I found it, Corinne, what makes you purr? What makes me feel content? What makes me feel better? And for me, it's like having coffee with my friends because today I do have friends, thank you, Jesus. Um, have coffee with my friends in my out for lunch, reading a good book I enjoy. I enjoy my grandkids. I enjoy walking. I do a lot of walking. I found things that make me feel happy. And I make sure that in my busy day, I, I try and achieve at least one of those happy things so that there is a moment in my life that it's not just work, 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 work. You know, I have a time where I can enjoy it. And I'm very blessed where I work um, in my lunch yard. There's a lovely lake. And I walk around that lake every day and talk to Jesus, just just enjoy the, the, the nature. So I think we mustn't be so focused on do, do, do. We have to find out what makes me happy, what makes you, because if you are not, if you are all work and no play, you won't be happy for very long. You will wear out, you will stress out, and and then the traumatic you starts appearing again, um, and that anger and all that starts, starts manifesting, and, and you wonder why. You need to find times of refreshing, um, things that make you happy. And, and that's what I, I strive to do. Yes, I agree. Do you call it a balance or just wisdom? <laughs> oh, totally. Well, I think it's both because if you don't use the wisdom to be balanced, you're not going to be very balanced. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you all know. <laughs> it's to live a balanced life. And today, you know, today everyone a part of you, everyone, and especially if you've got kids at school and, and you know, they've got sports and they've got a whole life. I mean, before you know it, you lie in bed and you think to yourself, gee, was did I even have a cup of coffee? You know, so you have to have balance. And you know what? You're in control of your life. My husband would always say to me when I, I was stressed and rain around, he'd say to me, who made the agenda? And I say, well, I did. He says, well, you can change it. And it was such a revelation because I just think to myself, can I? You know, and when I started, because I'm a list person, so I've got long lists. I love ticking them off. But I have like 50 things I want to do in a day and it's not practical. So then I would start to change my attitude, change my list. If I did five things, well, that was good. At least I did something. But um, you're in control of your life. You really are. And so you can say no. And you, there's many times you really should say no. You can't be everything to everybody because in the end, the only person that you're going to hurt is you. Yeah. When you get so stressed out and, and you know, you don't have any you time and, and just to relax, you're not doing yourself any favors, not at all. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes it coincides that what we do, it's something that's enjoyable and that's fun. Mm. So that it's kind of great, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. One of the, the things that I do that I relax is when I have conversations like this. I'm like, oh, oh my God, wow. I love doing this. Like this is, uh, it relaxes me in a way. And I have oh, a lot that's of fun. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad I'm relaxing. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Corinne. 
Yes, absolutely. I love this. Um, so yeah, it's great when it coincides, but I understand what you're saying that we should have time for ourselves for being alone too and in silence. That's very important. Yes, I agree. Yes. You talk about a encounter with God, you call God encounter. So when was it? When did that happen? And before that, where was God? To be, oh, I used to go to Sunday school um, when I was at home. Um, uh, I was 12. I used to go to Sunday school only to get out the house. I was allowed to go to Sunday school, although my parents were not Christians or not even God-fearing people. And I used to go there just so that I could get out the house. And then um, they were very, they were out of the couple, um, very nice people. It wasn't a big Sunday school. It was just in the school hall. hall so it wasn't um, an official church. And the lady said one day, um, Who would like a friend that will never leave you? Oh, my goodness. And I just put my hand up. I thought, I need a friend that will never leave me because I had no friends. And um, she said, Jesus will be that friend. If you ask Jesus into your heart, he will be a friend that never leaves you. And I was a very literal person. So I, I stuck my hand up and I, I asked, I said, Jesus, Lord Jesus, will you come and live in my heart? And she said, from then on, God will always be there. You, you won't see him in your heart. Um, he was always around me. He, God is always there. It's only when the lights come on when you see him because he's always reaching out to you. Then suddenly you realize, oh, God, you know, and then you call out to him and he, you, you connect. And that's what I did. And I tell you, all through my life and even today, I talk to God all the time because I'm so aware that he's my friend. Um, Jesus is inside me. He's with me. And it made such a difference to my life because I can remember I was 12 when I received him. Even going home, I would talk to him all the way home and I'd go do stuff at home. And, and even when I had all the abuse and the pain, I talked to him, God, help me, help me. And he would, he did send people to watch over me, um, which I found out years later. He sent my husband to me. I met my husband when I was 15. So he helped me on my journey. I mean, honestly, I don't think I'd be alive if I didn't have met Jesus. I, I either would have been beaten to death or I would have just killed myself. I wouldn't have made, been made of, able to make it. But because I had that, that, I mean, I would go hide in a tree. I'd take my Bible. They gave me a Bible. And I'd go climb a tree and I'd read my Bible. And Jim, these people were so good to me. They would come and pick me up on the weekend and take me to different camps. I went and saw Billy Graham. They took me all over the place and they gave me these little scripture union devotionals. Um, but I had to hide it from my father because he didn't, he was not into God at all. And then I'd go climb a tree and I'd read and talk to God. And I started to see he loved me, and it gave me hope. It, gave, it really gave me hope that I, I, you know, I just couldn't see tomorrow. I couldn't see, Cora, one day you're going to leave home. I never thought about that. I never thought about getting married or having children. I just was trying to survive today. So every time I read my Bible and every time I connected with God, there was hope. I can do this. I can survive this, you know. Wow. And I'm thinking here about trust, hope, and faith. Do you connect those words? Are they all the same? I think they're all the same person as in Jesus. I put my trust in him. I put my hope in him and I put my faith in him, knowing that, you know, it's so nice to have a person that in your life that you will never disappoint. You will never get a, a finger stuck in your eye. He will never abuse you. He will never talk negative to you. He will never run you down. It's so wonderful to have someone that just accepts you and is helping you, is for you and not against you. It's a wonderful thing to, to, to find that and to just have the freedom in God that you have. And it's not to say that, you know, you purposely go out and do stupid things, but you become aware of there's a relationship and you're trying to please your father and he's having fellowship with you. So you trust him. And I have hope in, in the fact that God has got my future. I can, I'm not just drifting through life. I can have a better life because he's my hope. And I put my faith in that because he's got my path and I believe that he's connecting me with the right people at the right time doing the right things. So I believe my book is helping people because he asked me to do it. So it just changed the perspective. I love that. Yeah, the idea of trust. Mm. I was resisting the, the word hope, but now because it meant somehow it meant having um, delusions about life, wanting life to be my way. So I was hoping. So now it's kind of coming back. And I like the word hope again. Um, it feels good. You've got a good, you know, there is a good future. 
Um, if we trust God, he, he, He's got us. We've got to believe that He's got you and you've got to stay close to Him and listen for Him. And when He says to go left, you go left. When He says go right, He says don't do anything, you don't do anything. You know, as you listen to that inner leading, that inner tuition, as you say, the, the Spirit in you, your, light, your path will get brighter. And that gives you hope. It, it gives you, it just makes you feel better that, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You can do this. Yeah, that's true. I like that, Corinne, the, uh, the inner voice. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's my guide. Yes. And I call it God. I know you have a different understanding because you have a picture of Jesus and which I believe it too, the Christ consciousness. And that's pure love, unconditional love. And you keep saying that over and over in something that I believe with all my heart and all my being. It's acceptance, just not being judgmental about yourself and others. That is so important. That's the only way we can be kind and compassionate. There's no other way. Talk to me about the power of prayer. How do you do it? You pray many times a day or when you need it? Um, um, I just I talk to God like I'm talking to you. I'll just sit down and say, you know, Lord, um, today, you know, that situation with so-and-so, I know I didn't handle it well. I ask you to forgive me. Show me how I could have done better. Um, help me with this situation. I just talk to him like I'm talking to you. I talk to him all the time um, because he's with me all the time. Um, I don't. I don't. I have a prayer time where I might be praying for the children and for the grandkids and for different people. Um, you know, Lord bless so and to help so and so. I do have that, but generally throughout the day, I'm always talking to God, and I've become so focused on Him that I actually, I, I, I'll suddenly say, "Oh, praise the Lord! Oh, thank you, Jesus!" And I don't realize that I'm in a crowd of people. But you know, I just care because I am so. He's helped me so much. I can't express how grateful I am for what God has done in my life. So my prayer is all day talking. And, you know, we women can talk. So I'm always talking to people every moment. um, But I do have allocated times where I do sit and be be still in his presence. And and, um, because, you know, by the end of the day, you've had a lot of things happen to you. So I always feel like I want to sit in his presence and have my my bath. I call it my bath where I just feel his presence. and I let him wash me of all the anxiety, maybe the stress of the day um, and just Get the keep the peace. You've got to keep peace every day. You've got to keep the peace because one day no peace, two day no peace, three no, three days no peace. You're becoming a wide stressed up little button, and that's going to explode. You know, no matter how much of a Christian you are, it's going to explode. So, so every day I make sure that the peace level is tapped up again, top it up. But only in, in the presence of God, I let Him sort of wash me and relax me, and just a quiet time with in His presence. Right. I love how you make healing a practice or this living this inner peace or a life that's positive. You make it as a practice, not a destination. Mm. That's so true, Mm. isn't it? In life, it's not just making a decision, a a choice one day and then that's it. It doesn't really work that way. No, it doesn't. doesn't. And if you want to have a whole life and if you want to be a better person, it's got to be something you do daily. It's not something you can give attention to every now and then. It's got to be a focus. It's got to be something that you do on purpose. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah, people talk about intention. Just, yeah, I like that. That's true. It's what you focus on. So the mind is easily distracted. We live in a world with so many distractions. Yeah, and that old nature is always lurking in the background. That, that um, I mean, even today I have thoughts, oh, oh, Corin, that person looked at you a bit funny, and their self-esteem could quickly disappear and then I just have to refocus I have to grab that thought and say no 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 that's the old you you find you focus Corin I talk to myself again and reaffirm myself again because that old you is always in the background that little girl's always crying I have to keep saying to Corin you'll be okay don't worry you're okay you know Mm, wow and that is so true yeah right so so true um yeah I have similar experience so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I wrote about it too. Awareness is so important, isn't it? Self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, I have one more question for you. It's about courage. Um, what is your definition of courage and when did you need it the most? Um, I think courage is just doing it. In, in, you just have to do it. you just got to be brave. you just got to put your brave on and say, I have to do this. I, I think I just got to the end of my rope and I needed, I needed to change. I mean, 
even you, you know, I mean, it gets into your marriage, it gets into your children, it gets into everything. I mean, your whole world is this abuse. Uh, and even the abuser could be long gone, dead and gone, and you still are traumatic. It, it controls every part of you. And I think you've just got to have courage to say, stop. It's got to stop. This treadmill's got to stop. I've got to stop going around in these circles. And only you can change it. This is this is the thing. You're waiting for something to happen. You have to make it happen. So so I had to have the courage to face it. Um, I had to have the courage to deal with it. I didn't like it. I had to have the courage to expose it. And once I had that, the healing process started. And and um, it's only it wasn't a daily. It's not a day thing. It's it's a year thing. It's a lifetime. I mean, like we say, the little girls cross sometimes. It's a lot, but you have to have big, and, and then you have to keep the courage to be that better you. You can't, some days are, are harder, hard days, I'm not so much anymore because this is many years ago, but some days might be bleak. Some days you feel like you're not winning. You might feel like, you know, backwards and you're going forward. You have to have the courage to stand up and say, I am fighting for it. And, and Valerie, everything that's worth anything is worth fighting for. I mean, if you, Good marriage, 43 years of marriage. I had to fight for my marriage. There were days where it, uh, it didn't look good. We fought for it. If I wanted to have good uh, kids that, that love me, I have to fight to keep that love going in my family. You have to have the courage to fight. You can't ray off and play dead because what's the plan B? Well, everything bad will just come back. So you have to f- always be on top of it. And you have to be in, in the control. But with God, you can. If you stay close to him, he helps you through the day to day. And if you have that focus that I'm always going to be the better me, I'm going to rise up and, and the courage to stay strong. You can do it. You can do it. Mm. Wow, I love that. And how you always bring it back to the practice, even courage, like a daily courage, just having yes. it's a practice. Everything's a practice. I agree. Mm. I absolutely agree. Uh, would you say the faith is also a practice, or this is something that never goes away? It's established, and you don't have to practice. Oh no, no, you have to practice because um, we are always swimming upstream. The moment, I mean, if you take a canoe, you paddle, paddle, paddle. Right. Run, you stop paddling. It doesn't stay still. It just keeps going back. So if you don't stay close to God. Not that God moved, you moved. You started to have to keep, you keep climbing, keep climbing. If you could just stay on the plateau, why go down into the valley? Stay on the plateau, stay daily with him, stay connected all the time. So when the stuff happens, drama happens in life, you're always with him. Um, we tend to, when something goes wrong, run away from God. It's just human nature. I mean, even Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, as soon as they realized they were naked, they didn't want to see God anymore. As soon as we do something bad, we, we, we want to shy from him. Not that he didn't know we did be bad. He knows. He knows everything. But instead, we should go to him. So if you spend so many times away from him, you have to keep climbing to go back again. Whereas if you stay topped up, if you stay close to him, full of the word, strong in your faith, you, you deal with life on a different level. Things that would have knocked you over won't knock you over because you you got it together. You got you got your peace. You got your focus. You got your courage on. You're dealing with life. Life is easier that way. So you have to do it daily. You have to be conscious every day. You've got to put a time aside where you you look after you. You look after your spirit, man. You look after your yourself and keep strong. And people think that's selfish, but today because today they say, oh, you know, you're looking after you. But if you don't look after you, who will? <laughs> right. So true. Yeah, I agree. I like that, that um, the inspiration just for our lives, for the focus of our lives to be God, to be love. So we don't forget, we don't stray right from the path. I agree. And that's probably why I do what I do. So I always stay connected. Um, Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before I ask you a few more questions, Corinne? Um, I might want to, uh, I would love to read, now that you've got me here, I might just want to read from, um, yeah. I forgave my father, okay. Uh, we went home and I was happy. I felt like I had a breakthrough. Why God told me to do this, I didn't know because my dad never accepted my forgiveness anyway. But I obeyed and I felt the forgiveness flow. As it turned out, some 38 years later on New, New Year's Eve 2016, I got a call from my dad asking me for forgiveness. He confessed to me that he had not been a good father and that he was sorry for the things he had done. Now, I could have balked at him. Do you know how you ruined my life and how you destroyed my childhood? But then I would have been the jailer that kept him in his prison. Instead, I said, Dad, I forgive you. 
I forgave you a long time ago. As a Christian, God instructs us to forgive others. So I have. I don't hold anything against you. I could hear him choking back his tears in the background. At that moment, I was the person who unlocked his prison cell and let him go free. And this is what happens. We, we, I let him go. And if I had been a bit an angry person, it would have just carried on and carried on. Right. How wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much for being you. Because oh, by you. changing, when we change, others change too. That's interesting. We're all connected. Yeah, it's beautiful. We need to help each other, aren't we? We must encourage each other and help each other. You can do it. You can do it. I know it's hard. It's not easy. And, and half of you doesn't want to do it. But you have to do it. You have to, you have to heal. You have to let it go. And you have to rise up above it. You have to. Right. If we really want to be happy and healthy, right? That's the way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, and take hold of your life. Be your own person. And the only way you can do it is let go of the past. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I absolutely agree. And I can relate profoundly with that. Thank you so much, Corinne, for um, your courage, for being genuine, for your kindness and the strength that you, uh, you give us. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been such an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much for the help share. It's spiritual fun. I have a few more questions. Um, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? I think how angry I was. I was so angry. I was, and and I, I realized I was taking my anger out on everyone and everything. I mean, I slam pots all the time, I tell you what. Um, but I had to, I realized I, I was very angry. And I had to let that go. And that wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. I write in my book how the Lord would tell me to count. Count. He says, count before you react. And I started counting to 10 and that didn't happen. And I counted to 20. And I used to count to 5,000 before I calmed down. And as time processed, um, I started to count. Eventually I counted to 10. Do you know that today I don't, I don't have anger. I can't shout anymore. I don't even have the voice to shout. When I tell people that I used to scream like a fishwife, they, they look at me and they say, you, I was, I was such an angry person. And, um, yeah, that was the, one of the hardest things I'd had to deal with is the anger. Mm, and I have to thank you again. Yeah. Cause we don't know how much we affect others. So by, by changing ourselves, yeah, that's like a ripple right, on, in the ocean. What is another word for healing? Maybe restoration, yeah, where you restore what was broken and make it whole. I think because I was restored, I was restored from the broken Corin to the the healed Corin to the new Corin, and um, it was a journey, but it was it was worth doing, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you knew you would die soon, in a sense of losing the body, would you make any change about your life? I think I would have gone my journey a lot quicker, but then, of course, you can only work with what you know. At the moment, to be honest, I feel I'm doing what God wants me to do. I've written my book. I'm writing another book. I'm, I'm trying to, to get encourage people, get, get um, the word out there that God loves you and that he accepts you and you don't have to be a victim of your past. So at the moment, I'm, I'm happy. And I'm glad I can say that because for many years, I just felt like I was floating. You know, I had no existence. So at the moment, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed person and I thank Jesus for that. I feel I'm on the path and I believe it's going to get brighter and brighter and I'm going to walk in out more and more of what he wants me to do. Yeah, how wonderful. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? That God loves you, it can get better, and that you can change. Change is hard, but you can change. I mean, if I look at myself, I, I, I'm amazed because I remember the old me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's almost like another person. It's, it's think to yourself, was I really that person? Because I was a product of what happened to me. But yes, the, the, those three things I definitely believe that can happen to you. You can change. Yeah. How wonderful. Thank you so much again, Corinne, for our conversation and how meaningful it was. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jenny. It was such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, book, products, services, and future projects? Well, you can find me on Facebook, um, CorinneThompson.author. Also on Instagram, Corin.Thompson underscore author. I have a website, CorinneThompson.com. And I have an emailing address, 
corinthompson.author at gmail.com. And my books are on uh, Amazon, Kindle. Actually, my books are everywhere. If you, if you look it up, they, they, they are everywhere. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Corinne. Oh, thank you so much. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Karen Thompson, please visit her website, karenthompson.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.